right, all right. <laughs> Welcome to the June. <laughs> so happy to be with you guys today. Um, welcome at the first radio show, um, the How Do You Dig? Hold by the Florentine County crew, uh, a crew based in Paris, uh, uh, organized around doing parties in a very sweet atmosphere. And we are organizing this little show for you at June Paris. Um, and uh, yeah, so happy to present our first guest today. Um, just a little words to start off uh, about our show. Uh, so it's going to be the first episode and the idea behind how do you dig is to explore and document how people get to dig in, uh, in a time where, uh, well, music is everywhere and... Uh, uh, obviously, it's uh, it's kind of a, uh, of a, an experience to find music today, since we are overflowed by music. Uh, so we are trying to to dig into people's habits uh, in digging. And for our first guest, I'm super happy to welcome Elise. Uh, how are you, Elise? I'm good. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, uh, Elise. Um, Elise is actually uh, we get to know we know each other since we were born because you're my cousin, little cousin. Uh, so I'm super happy to um, to have you as our first guest. Um, I'm not gonna try to present you. Uh, I will just start off directly and uh, have you guys to uh, get to know about a little bit about Elise and how she gets to dig uh, through our few questions and uh, and discussion. If you're if you're fine with this. So first question for you, Elise, today. Uh, what is what is your worst digging experience you ever had? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about this? Sure, thank you for your challenging question. <laughs> <laughs> so my worst digging experience, I would say it uh, happens a lot. <laughs> but uh, the one I can think about is I have a la label with my friends called Les Editions Vermillon. And uh, we decided to put out compilations of uh, old French forgotten records, but regionally. So it's hard to have something that is um, that respects uh, our own rules and is also musically co coherent. And it's also something that we like. And it's also something that we can find the rights to. And it's also something we can find the, the musical source to. So uh, there's a lot of conjecture to making a good record, I mean in our eyes, of course. And uh, so we're preparing for the next compilation right now. We did the first one on the Le Grand Sud-Est. Um, and uh, we're doing a lot of what people, certain people call blind buys. Basically, when you're digging on Discogs, uh, sometimes you can't listen to the records because they're nowhere on the internet and you have to take a bet. So you have to buy them, even though you have no clue how they what they sound like. And so we don't do that all the time because sometimes these blind buy can be quite expensive, especially if it's private presses or self-releases. Uh, the prices can go very high very quick. And so that's always the thing when we're like searching for something and we're taking a bet, especially if it's expensive. I'm going to share um, a record that was, I think, around 40 bucks. So it's not a cheap record at all. But it's uh, we split the cost between us. But sometimes it's it's bet we want to take because, for example, the contributor is someone we know has good taste, or we saw a comment, or like there's a good rating, or we just have a feeling that it might have potential, and it's from a region that we like, or a studio that we like, or we see someone 
that's playing on the record that we know he made good stuff so we're like okay we're gonna take a bet on this and so lots sometimes it's money down the drain and it's awful sometimes it's, it's just like plain awful like there's nothing to save <laughs> sometimes the music is very good but the vocal is really bad like a uh, very bad singing very off and we like very kitsch things some st sometimes that some sometimes when someone sings a little off it can be kind of charming but sometimes it's just too 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 awful and there's nothing you can do and it's very delicate even if you find find the person to ask like do you have an instrumental version of this uh, track it can be quite <laughs> delicate so i would say the <laughs> i would say the the the, the bad experiences when you're putting quite a bit of money on something and it turns out unusable the first um, record you want to play for us, uh, can you can you explain us a little bit? Yes. So the first record, I'm actually being nice and and, and not putting the worst worst one, <laughs> but it's just some f so, so, uh, one that was uh, expensive. Um, it's called Je Rêve de Mylène, and uh, it's from uh, the 76. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's a little lady that did uh, only one hit. I mean, not a hit, only one flop. <laughs> and uh, well, it's not the worst one, but it was uh, not good enough for us to use it. So I think that's we're gonna what we're gonna listen to right now. Nice, thanks. So if I understand good, like you guys at the um, Edition Vermillon uh, have this crazy idea of going uh, digging through a southeast uh, region in France uh, and uh, decide to blind dig some records in order to find little gems out there. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, not really. Actually, <laughs> our goal is to c cover the whole of France. So how it started out is I have a friend who's from Lyon, and he had quite he had a bit of records from Lyon that we liked. And so at first we wanted to do like only a Lyon one because there was like a boogie scene that was pretty like prolific in the 80s, but it was not enough to do a whole compilation. So we started to expand to one region, and then we had to do like an extra big region because. We wanted to have something that's like stylistically coherent and that we like. And so if you're like too putting too much like uh, constraints on what you're doing, you're going to have something that doesn't sound good or coherent. So we had to be a bit more flex uh, in our um, like uh, process. But yeah, the goal is to have like to do big super regions in France. And uh, yeah, we're working on the next one. So the blind buys were not a thing at first it was more like when we realized we didn't have enough or we felt like ah there's missing like one banger or really like one hit or like there's just like a piece missing we have to keep looking and then it can it can be a blind bias but of course not only this method yeah let's listen to this uh, Milan uh, record <laughs>
What an amazing track by Mylène. <laughs> Thank you, Mylène, for everything you did for you know French uh, sound landscape. Um, okay, the next question for you, Elise, is going to be about your uh, first dig. Okay, I must speak closer to the mic, apparently. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your first dig. To explain the question, if I take my example, uh, I started out uh, digging music with uh, Emule and LimeWire, which are uh, like software that you can download to download music. Uh, and basically, I was maybe 10 years old, and you could see like uh, the charts of the top downloads uh, of the website. And the first one I ever downloaded, so my first ever dig was uh, Ice Ice Baby. <laughs> and it was an amazing track, and I want to hear about how you started your own journey. What's your first dig? Thank you, Marius, for this uh, very nice question. So um, to give a bit of uh, context to my answer, uh, I was brought up in a very uh, musical family. Uh, my mom, she plays the piano and she, I mean, there was a lot of, not really records, but more uh, lots of CDs uh, at uh, my place. My dad is uh, from uh, Ukraine and he emigrated uh, to the United States when he was uh, 17 years old. And uh, in the uh, USSR, you know, the, um, uh, the mu Western music was uh, illegal. So it was very hard to find uh, music. And uh, at the time, uh, in circulation there, you can uh, only fi find a uh, hard rock. Like there was a lot of deep purple. And my dad was not really into rock at all. He he was more into a bit uh, of jazz, like my grandfather. And it was very hard to find jazz because it was really considered like the most like capitalistic and symbol of the US. So it was very hard to find these kinds of records. And so uh, when he went to the United States, he got super hit by like the funk and disco music, like uh, Afro-American music. And he was a huge fan of that. He is still. Um, and uh, when I was small, like there was always music playing at my my home. So I, of course, I got the taste of my parents, which was like uh, kind of hippie music, classical music, jazz, funk, disco. And uh, I think my first dig is when I tried to emancipate from my parents' taste and listen to the only things they would not listen. And so for my dad, it was like rock, hard rock, punk, anything in that direction or electronic music. So of course, I started with uh, rock because I was a punk. <laughs> Joking, I was no, but I was really into uh, that kind of music, and so I, of course, I also used a lot LimeWire and Emule, which was my stepfather who showed me this, and uh, yeah, I was starting to dig like the rock scene, and I discovered the uh, garage rock, which is originally from the 60s with bands like the Sonics, etc. But there was also a revival in the 2000s more of like the punk scene and so one music I really like to listen to because I knew my dad could absolutely not stand that kind of music is a music called I Hate Pussies. Hate is H8 from The Spits and I always thought it was a UK band because he uses the word prick but actually they're from Michigan I just found out so um, I propose we listen to my teenage uh, year soundtrack. <laughs> yes. Oh, 
it. That was intense indeed. <laughs> I can imagine your dad was not digging uh, uh, this kind of music. Uh, interesting, interesting. So, um, uh, sorry for, for our listeners. We started with the worst, <laughs> but we're coming with better music <laughs> along the way. Um, you know, we've we, we all been through this, uh, um, whether it's at the very beginning where you can't find good music or it's when you've been digging for too much of a long time and, and, and you're just finding only crap, basically. Uh, um, and so my next question is, how do you get out of this uh, d digging, digging rut, you know, um, uh, that we all experience at some point? Yes, that's a problem I have uh, frequently because uh, my job is basically to curate and listen to music. So to get a bit into what I do, um, I kind of work as a music supervisor in freelance, uh, mostly for advertising. And uh, I mean, choosing music professionally in that kind of uh, setting is very different from digging for your own taste or for mixing or doing something that you really like. Um, you have to be more a bit like uh, medical, like surgical, um, and people basically they buy your competence to like know how to speak the language of music and read a brief or see like a sequence and be like, I know what will go with that. Um, also in the more like uh, money economical kind of way of what are cheap rights or what what's the budget, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but yeah, you have to know kind of all music, kind of how genres work, what's in fashion right now, or or there's also some codes, for example, working on a movie and working on advertising is very different. Advertising is very coded. If you're doing like uh, fashion, uh, like uh, uh, an advertisement for a perfume, it's very coded, there's like some stuff going on. If you're doing like an advertisement for a car, there's also some type of music or some type, I mean, it's very coded, so. Um, basically, sometimes I have to listen to music I don't like at all for like the, the whole day just to um, complete a brief. It is the worst job in the world. So you, 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 your time is actually listening to music you don't like. <laughs> no, I think it's more complicated than that because even if I listen to music I don't like, I think what I really like to do is to match music with, with images, whatever I do. It's always a, a great challenge. Um, and it's, I, I don't know, I think it's, it's challenging and it's uh, another form of, uh, not intelligent, but it's another thing you can do in music that's interesting. And I just started out, so I don't even think my craft is that good yet. I, I'm, I'm learning, but I was always very, very interested between the link uh, between images and, um, and music. Uh, I always love uh, musicals. I was a huge uh, John Travolta fan and Saturday, night well it's not really a musical but you know all the musicals i was very into and i don't know if you remember but at our grandparents they had cassettes of fantasia from walt disney and i watched that a lot a lot when i was a child and i loved the fact that um it's not music that was put on images it was uh short films that were that were developed and inspired by musical pieces so it's the other way around which i found very interesting but to get back to your question um i think to clean your ears I mean, there's two. You asked me two questions. What do you do when you start out, or you you don't know where to find music, which is something that we'll talk about later. But how do you clean your ears when basically you've been listening to so much music that you don't know what's good and what's bad anymore? That's really tough. I think sometimes you need to have silence. That would be my first uh, m when you're doing like very active listening or when you're digging. But when you're s really stuck in a musical rut, I think you need to go back to your first loves. Like what is like some classics, like your personal classics, 
um, that you want to listen to and that can really like rekindle your love for music, remake you discover your love for music, listening on a good sound system or so good headphones so you can really get like the whole details, the whole experience. I think that can also be like, okay, I know why I like music. I know some type, uh, some type of music I like. Like, not all music is shit. Like, not everything <laughs> is shit. And that's, I would be the, the first place. And for me personally, like, one style that really cleans my ears is either library music or original soundtrack music, but, like, vintage from the 60s or 70s. I'm a huge production music um, fan. So for some people that don't know, production music is originally music that's produced only to be put on TV commercials or movies. And um, in the 60s and 70s, there was really like a gold era in Italy, in uh, Great Britain, and also in the States, also in France, because there were some very good composers, arrangers that had like amazing studios. And they were basically paid to compose music like we call it in French musical kilometre, like just like kilometers of music. And for them, it was also a, an outlet because they could be like very experimental. And that's why you can have like super avant-garde shit and like really synthy stuff and like really proto-electronic music that's like crazy. And uh, I think it's a style that I really like because it's not a style, it's a way of producing music. But I feel like the Italians in the 60s and the 70s in the li library music and the OSCs, I don't know, I wanna, like, if you make someone listen to that track, I don't know someone that's gonna say it's shit. Even someone that listen, listens to something that's completely different, it's just so beautiful, I think it speaks to everyone. Especially love, I feel like these musics describe the feeling of love very, very well. Also because it's intertwined with, like, the 60s, uh, Nouvelle Vague, cinema, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like when I don't like music anymore, I just listen to these beautiful pieces and I'm like, okay, it's just really beautiful and I think it's speaks for everyone. Okay, so I definitely want to know how you find this kind of music. But before you tell us, I want to listen to that classic track um, that uh, you really love. So I want you guys, listeners, take a seat back. Um, as Elise uh, preconized, uh, take some good earphones or a good sound system. And let's have some good music. to Anna from Sandro Brugnolini, which is a Italian composer. I think, yeah, he was also a saxophonist. And uh, this record is not an OST, even though it sounds like one. Uh, usually is original soundtrack. So 
um, these guys usually they would do OSTs, but also library. Library music was for them a way to earn money. So for them, some I mean, it's crazy to think like it's just something that they would do like in between sessions, like quickly to earn money. I mean, I'm it was not all like that, but yeah. So this is from an LP called Utopia. I forgot the name of the label. It was put out. Uh, uh, yeah, I think it was from RCA Italy. I think. Um, so Utopia is. Um, the name of the LP and why does it have its name? Its name is because the the records that were put down on library uh, music um, they have to be very very like uh, explicit on their content. Content. Um, this one is a bit dreamy and not really e explicit, but we can imagine that the Utopia was like only very positive songs. Um, I mean, they were really themed, precisely themed. For example, you could have an LP called uh, Industry, and uh, you can have uh, titles like, uh, I don't know, uh, Warehouse Song or um, Robot. I mean, it has to be very explicit because people knew that were buying the music, they have to know what are they gonna put this on? Is it gonna be a jingle? Is it gonna be on a documentary? Is it gonna be on a advertising thing? I mean, library music still exists today. Um, how can you find library music? Well, for old library music, there's just some kinds of labels that are staples. For example, the big ones in the UK is KPM, Bruton. For uh, France, it's uh, Les Editions Montparnasse, Telemusique. For Italy, it's Sermi uh, and uh, stuff like this. Uh, there's also Chapel uh, music for the US. So y once you identify uh, either the producers, or I think which is much easier, the labels, just go through the catalogs. And there's going to be lots and lots of things and there's going to be bad things and it's just like having the patience to listen to it all um but to know the records are oh uh, some lots of them are on youtube generally so i would go go to discogs and just uh, type type the, the the labels and just kind of dissect but i would must warn you it's a very expensive hobby because the Records were usually pressed in small, small examples, um, and it's super fucking crazy expensive. But there's a lot of uh, reissues if you're a vinyl crazed person. And fun fact, it's also uh, library music was sampled a lot, a lot in hip hop and rap because it was they would get less trouble for the copyrights generally. Thank you, thank you, Elise, for that. Um, next question is um, is about the evolution of digging. Uh, at the time, uh, we used to discover music through radio shows, through clubs, maybe uh, through record shops, and so on. And with the internet, obviously, uh, it's been completely changing. And um, with platforms, YouTube, and uh, I want to know about your experience as a uh, yes, as a, as a, as a I would say as a host of um, Chineur des Origines and other groups. Uh, I want to, to know your view about the evolution of music, social digging, um, TikTok, YouTube. What's your, what's your view on that? How, is how, how, how has it changed? So I'm pretty young, I'm 26. So for me, I didn't discover music uh, by uh, going to clubs or going to record shops. Okay. For me, it was uh, internet <laughs> music first. I discovered music with internet, basically. I mean, with CDs also a lot. Uh, for the CD, like my father would take me to the public library, and we would rent CDs and then put them on our computer, and we were, you know, so that's the first way. But um, yeah, for me it was a lot internet, and also I was born in an era where uh, move uh, video clips were also a huge thing. So uh, a, a part of of you know discovering new music was like there's this new artist or there's there's 
dro clip dropping and everybody's watching it and it's like the kind of MTV generation even if it's a bit b before me. So I would say that um, I started digging records later in my life. So internet digging is part of, is before. Um, I would say when something for me that's a bit frustrating and we were talking about it is I feel like uh, with growing up and maybe having sometimes less candid relationship with uh, people in general, you kind of lose the, the the sharing thing, which I remember when when we were in uh, middle school and high school, uh, I would do a lot of playlists for my friends and it was very re reciprocal. Um, you know, having mixtapes and that kind of stuff I feel like is very sweet and is uh, not done enough. And I, I can also tell that to myself. I need to do more playlists for my friends and people I love because I feel like it's a very cute way of bonding and sharing. So I feel like social digging on the on the internet is kind of was a kind of a um uh un relais, i don't have the word in english but it was kind of a a revival of that kind of culture of i mean it's music is li interlinked with sharing because what's the point with listening to music on your own i mean it it takes the great dimension when you share it with someone that likes it so i feel like because i was on la chinerie for a long time uh, it was there also that I made a lot of friends, uh, DJ friends. Um, La Chinerie were, were Facebook groups, uh, French Facebook groups, uh, that were dedicated to social digging, which is digging like uh, with people and sharing the sounds that you find. And uh, I feel like that was a bit like a, a big part of uh, meeting people with common uh, uh, interest. And for me, La, La Chinerie was a very big step to discovering electronic music because I discovered it with French Touch, like a lot of French person, but it uh, I discovered like the, the Berlin, the, the, the German scene, and especially like Chicago, Detroit, and the, the real, I mean, not real house, but another type of house, like the OJ house and the OJ techno uh, later, like when I was 17 and I started to go clubbing also. And I feel like Chinard des Origines, uh, but more like, yeah, La Chinerie, I think, made me discover some tracks and, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, just to, to comment on that, uh, these days, all of these groups are basically uh, fading away. Uh, and I think it's quite interesting. Maybe you have a comment on that because it used to be super big when we were s like younger, but now all of these groups are almost dead. Yeah, I um I feel like um they they're they're dead. I don't know why. Uh, I could not give an explanation. I think also because when you're an admin on that kind of thing for years and years, it gets a bit tiring, and maybe you just grow up and have other stuff to do, uh, which is a bit sad, <laughs> of course. But I feel also like maybe it was um it's a mark of a certain generation, and I feel like maybe younger people are going to have uh, other ways of digging and sharing. Um, yeah, um, I'm, I'm someone that goes a lot on TikTok and I get um, some friends made fun of me at first because like, I'm supposed to be too old for that shit. But uh, I really think TikTok is can be really bad like everything, but it can be really awesome. Uh, I discovered some music on there. It made me rediscover music I forgot I knew, so that's cool. Um, and I feel like also my approach to music, I mean, of course I have some time where I actively dig either for my job or for preparing a radio show or something, but I feel like I'm like just a walking Shazam. I'm just listening to music all the time and uh, I'm just, yeah, everything can be a source of music. Uh, it can be a movie, it can be a series that I'm watching that has a sound, it could be an advertising, it could be literally anything, 
something going on in the bar, a friend like playing a snippet, and you j it's just I feel like when you really when you want to find new music, it's kind of also like a mental state. I feel like some people use music as more as something that's because in the bra background and they're not paying attention to it. So I would say like you have to pay attention to music all the time, and you will find some music because there's music everywhere. But it can be overwhelming. Can, um, can, can you play? Yeah, can you play something for us? Uh, OG, OG, Chicago. OG Chicago, or um, you know, the Waking Shazam, something that you discover on TikTok, whatever. Uh, I would like to to play for you. I think because uh, I discovered so the US scene before, and soon after I discovered the UK UK bass music scene, and I completely fell in love with drum and bass in jungle very soon. And uh, so I want to listen to, I think, the first tune I discovered that had breaks in it. I thought it was Jungle, but actually it's drum and bass. And it's uh, it's an alias of Fotek, of course, uh, who was a big figure uh, on the Jungle scene. And it's his uh, drum and bass uh, alias. So we're going to listen to it now.
very smooth. Thank you so much. Um, I had another question for you, Elise, um, which was, are you in life uh, the same way you are in digging music? I mean, are you obsessional, wanting to know everything, every small information? Are you looking for small stuff that people don't know about or have been forgotten? Uh, are you really enticed into get getting to these kind of activities or countries? Stuff that people don't know uh, and are forgotten, but really underestimated. And do you dig this? Are you looking for this, or just you're not the same way? And you can like whatever it is, even if it's commercial, popular, or whatever. Uh, I don't know if I'm clear enough. But Thank you. I totally got the question. <laughs> no problem. Um, I think uh, maybe sometimes I I I forgot that uh, for a long time, a period of time. I uh, hung out with uh, lots of uh, people that were really like diggers and were really obsessive and so I was comparing myself to them and I thought I was wow I'm like really like I'm really messy and I'm not like them and I'm not organized and I'm not as obsessive but then sometimes I talk to people that are not into digging at all and they feel like I'm crazy encyclopedia shit uh, but I don't feel like this at all personally so I think it's a, um, a perspective kind of thing Um, and I have an example, for example, I have a very good friend of mine called CEO. We have the label together with also Hugo and Betis. Um, and he is someone who's like a crazy digger, but it's so funny to me, like he will know the most obscure shit. And sometimes I will pu put on a Michael Jackson track and he's like, what's that? So I feel like he, he knows like super ob obscure stuff, but like some very big hits. Well, I, I took Michael Jackson, but not even, I mean, that, that huge, but like just very big disco tracks. He's like, wow, that's crazy. That goes hard. I'm like, yes, you don't know that. And uh, yeah. To comment on that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I really think that we, we all have uh, like blind spots in music uh, based on our childhood or stuff you talked about that, you know, for in my example, um, my stepmom uh, was a huge fan of punk and rock music. And uh, every time I made her listen to something I loved, she was saying, yeah, it's shit, yeah, it's uh, copied on something I know that is from my time and everything. So I never listened to punk and rock music for 15 years. And I'm just like discovering it, it now because now I'm old enough to like it, you know, for myself. But uh, yeah, I think these blind spots are very interesting and it's good to get to explore them. Uh, I would like to answer to your question, but first I want to finish off on, uh, on Benjamin's question. So I feel like I'm someone that's uh, I'm someone that's pretty obsessive, uh, but 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 not really on things, more on uh, people. <coughs> Anyways, um, no, but I think um, yeah, I can be uh, more obsessive uh, in other things than than music because I feel like I don't like to say this because it's, it seems like people say this all the time, but I really listen to a lot of music, I mean a variety of music. I think the only things I don't really dig is very, very experiment, super crazy experimental shit like drone music and even some drone music I like. Uh, and maybe like very, very heavy doom metal because even some metal I like. So I feel, I, and, and for a long time I was saying I don't like country music, I actually do like country <laughs> music. So I really don't know what kind of music I don't like. And even like you could say like, like stuff that's going on now, like uh, actual French rap, there is some actual French rap I really like. So there's all lots of, I d don't think there's any genres that I, that, I, that I like or don't like. That's why I really hate the 
question like what kind of music do you listen to or what kind of music do you like because it's complicated for me to get started but but uh, in other stuff like maybe um, food or clothes I think I'm very more obsessive especially food I really love Asian food especially Japanese food I don't eat only that of course but uh, I think it's like the thing I'm trying to learn to cook the most like I can cook like uh, uh, uh Japanese pot au feu, but I don't know how to do a French pot au feu, for example. I mean, I think it's I could figure it out because it's it's pretty easy. But um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like um, I can, and I I also get what you're saying. Like when you become uh, just obsessed with some things, then when you're trying to I don't know buy something else, you want to check out is it is it the good one? What what choice there is? I want to see all the comments and look at all the forums and blah blah blah. But I feel like that's also something that's comes with the internet culture in general and I mean I think there's lots of people that are are, are are pretty obsessive and I think it the internet and the just the surfing way of thing it pushes you into rabbit holes and into like watching and something and getting like deep into a subject and just like getting lost on the internet I feel like is uh, yeah, a yeah very like digital thing so I think I'm really not the most obsessive person because when I'm talking to some friends I see like they're really like super laser focused, but I can be, I think, on some subjects. Talking about Japan, can you play maybe, do you have some Japanese stuff with you? No, nothing, okay. Um, well, anything that you would like to play uh, to go on. Uh, okay, well, maybe to kind of uh, bounce on bounce off on what Mayu says about the, the, the blind spot, because I would like to talk about this later. Um, I can maybe play a track that was like my first big house track that I stumbled upon and I was like, wow, electronic music can sound like this. I didn't know. I thought it was only like I just different. So I will play it right now and it's uh, The Future from Armando. Thank mm -hmm. you. 
spot uh, question I just want uh, to say that if uh, you are listening Nicole my stepmom you brought me a lot of good things too <laughs> yes to talk about uh, the blind spot thing I think it's uh, it's something that we can uh, all have especially when uh, you're younger uh, and you you live trends and you live uh, musical styles with delay I think that's also what's happening a lot right now, where you feel like s maybe old people, not old people, uh, older people can feel like uh, everything that's coming out is like a copy of a copy of a copy or like a fad. And I feel like um, that's, yeah, that's something that's very, that's very funny. For example, I know that our compilation, when you're digging, for example, 80s sounds or maybe more like electronic music from the 90s, uh, people that live this they're like ah oh, for me it's like super cheesy it's like very like it's just like a cheesy thing and i d i don't get why why you like it so i feel like that's that's funny and about the the blind spot i think like for example one of my blind spots for a lot of years were uh, was classical music even if it there was a lot playing at my home and my mom played some i was just not very interested even if i, I knew some things and um i uh I had some some composers that I liked, but I did not like dig at all <laughs> uh, classical music. And uh, I worked uh, a year for uh, France Musique, which is a public radio, and uh, it's very oriented classical music, also jazz, but very much classical music also. And uh, I was working with an amazing woman called uh, Anne Charlotte Raymond, who has a show, and she kinds of like she's a she does kinds of accessible musicology on um, on classical music and I was like her research assistant and production manager. Yeah, every day we had to do a show. <laughs> Monday through <laughs> Monday through. Oh yeah, it's still playing. It's playing every day at uh, uh, 1 p.m. and it's on replay. It's called the Musicopolis on France Music and you can listen to it. It's really great show, very educative. And um, I really loved working there because it pushed me to to submerge myself in classical music for a year, which I love so much. And she taught taught me so much. Even we did a show on a series on Miles Davis, and she even taught me stuff about stuff I thought I knew <laughs> on jazz and stuff like this. So um, I feel like it's never too late to correct your blind spots. Can you play uh, one uh, classical music? Do you have some? I don't have classical music on me, but I, I, I know that you want to ask me a question which <laughs> will make me talk about a bit more about classical music. Okay, okay. Anyways, we will add some in the, in the playlist. And if you guys have to come up with one thing from this show, at least you know that you can find classical music through this uh, talk show, that this emission that you were talking about. Previously, okay, yeah, I wanna I wanna bounce on uh, on uh, what you said about Shazam because uh, I think Shazam today is probably the uh, the most common way for people to find music. Uh, what a tool, by the way. Uh, and um, yeah, can, can you, do you have some fun fact about like uh, a Shazam that uh, rings a bell? So I wanted to talk about this because I said that I'm like a human walking Shazam, which is a very pretentious way of saying I'm just like 
keeping my ears open at all times. And so there's this guy I really, really love called uh, Etienne Menu, who's a famous French music journalist. And he has a blog called Music Journal. And he was talking about this this week, is that he was doing his uh, shopping at Truffaut, which is like a plant shop in France. I don't know what he was buying anyways. So and he, he thought he there was a Steely Dan track playing. And he liked Steely Dan, but he didn't really quite recognize it, so he shazammed it. And it was not Steely Dan at all, but it was a version uh, he couldn't find on... I mean, he f the shazam thing, he listened to it on the internet and it didn't sound the same. So because it was a song that had a lot of covers, he ran through all the covers and he was just writing this article about trying to find the, the, the track. And he even wrote an email to Truffaut to find out what, what was playing. And it was it was actually the track that he shazammed and he said, I don't know if it was the speakers or the moments, but I felt like it was a bit different. And uh, it, this kind of resonated with me and I have a shazam story. So um, I like to go, I like movies a lot because I'm really sensible to sound in movies. Uh, so recently I saw the film Tar with Kate Blanchett with my dad. I did not like the movie, but I'm not gonna get into why I didn't like it. But um, I, there's a scene where they're having kind of a, there's a romantic moment between she and her wife were kind of dancing on slow jazz with a glass of wine. And I was like, wow, I recognize the, the melody, but I don't, know, I don't know this version. And it's like so, so, so beautiful. So I shazammed it, but uh, it, it couldn't find the shazam could not find it. So when I got home, the no, not even when I got home, when I was on the bus, I directly went to Google, Tar, original soundtrack, da da da, listen to everything. Bam! I find it, and it was actually so. It's a it's it's a track called uh, "Here Comes That Rainy Day," which is a jazz standard. So there's been ton versions of it, but for the movie, the the, the this movie, it w there's a instrumental version done by someone called Alke and the trombone ensemble, which I've never heard of before, and it was made for the movie. And I just feel like it's the beautifulest version of this track, and uh, that's that's how I stumbled upon this track. Let's play it.
nice to be with you, but it's the last one. And to end uh, this time, uh, we're gonna have uh, some kind of a combini shitty question. <laughs> uh, no offense to combini. <laughs> uh, but if uh, your digging style was a food recipe, <laughs> what kind of food recipe would it be? Not prepared at all. Uh, it would be uh, Rachel's and Friends, uh, the spy, the one she messes up by uh, combining the English trifle, which is like a traditional cake, and the shepherd's pie, which is like minced uh, lamb with a peas, onion. I mean, it's just <laughs> nothing goes, it's just very messy, nothing goes together, and it's just kind of unexpected, I would say. That's how I would describe it. And I think to end the... Uh, to end this show and to describe uh, this mood, I will uh, put uh, music uh, on that describes also one taste that I did not talk about at all, is I have a huge love for hip-hop and I uh, really love uh, Memphis rap. And I'm gonna put on uh, Gangsta Pats, which uh, has this very, it's a really cult track and I like it because it kind of had that uh, G-Funk synth on it, which is uh, not on all the uh, horrorcore rap uh, tracks, so. I think this is how we're gonna end it. Nice, thank you so much, Elise, uh, for being with us today. Uh, I think you guys understood uh, that Elise was kind of a uh, music person, definitely. Um, also kind of a first guest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, you can, uh, if you want to listen to more of what um, uh, Elise listened to, you can find her out uh, on, the, on the social media. You have a radio show uh, up and live every month, is that it? No, it's every trimester. It's on uh, the amazing uh, Amsterdam-based radio called Radio Tempo Neopara, and my show is called Pontism, and you never know what to expect. <laughs> Another way to find music. Thank you so much. See you. And of course, thanks to June for having us. Uh, big up. Yo 
Cause every day comes like no acts that way The chicken is making me wicked and paranoid I've gotta have that hate Coming up out of the ground It's about a pound and I'm gonna get so high Pull out my papers and then other papers And sit back and let my brain fry Puffin' no sets, no it's in my chest My nigga and I feel like I'm finna choke Blow me a gun unless it's a bomb My nigga let's feel like bodies with smoke I'm falling in love, I'm pulling that bug Cause we finna party and get so well I don't know that night cause if at the time Then we finna ride and get fucked up Let's grab us some proof, now this is what we do We slangin' and bangin' up on the main strip I'm getting so high, I cannot deny I'm starting to think some crazy shit Rerunners so clean, I'm hearing sirens A nigga like me is so paranoid I run down the window, well that is the end of those crooked ass cops We tryna avoid, keep rollin' up weed You know it's a need, my nigga, I'm fuckin' that Mary Jane Cause it's the most wanted and I'ma stay blunted Until I feel like I'm going insane Keep rollin' up twists and stay full of that Rika And come with this dope, get in your ride I lift to the side, my nigga, cause you know that I wanna smoke I'm fading and dreaming about that chronic 